Hello, you're listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, hello, and welcome to our latest episode of Skylit, Skylight Books podcast series coming to you from my house in West Hollywood, and I'm bringing you authors from their houses all over the dang place, uh, so you can hang out with them in your headphones, even if you can't come to our store. Uh, today, we're really excited to welcome a debut author to Skylit. Um, today, we are hosting Jean Kyung Frazier, author of Pizza Girl. Um, she's going to be talking to us about her novel, and I'm really excited because I've read this book twice, and it's a delight. Um, it's a dark delight, I will qualify that. <laughs> um, but um, I have a lot of thoughts about it, so I'm really looking forward to talking to Jean today. Um, I will also point out that we've selected Pizza Girl as our June SVEC pick. Um, that's our signed first editions club. So if you are subscribed to that, you're going to be getting a beautiful signed first edition copy in your mailbox pretty soon. All right, so without further ado, Jean Kyung Frazier is a writer who lives in Los Angeles. Pizza Girl is her debut novel. Welcome to the podcast, Jean. Hey, thanks for having me. It really means a lot to be here or to be in my apartment talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> We're here in cyberspace together. Mm, that's, a, yes. that's like a, a real space we can imagine. Oh, yes, everyone should know we are on Zoom so we can see each other. So it's almost like we're hanging out. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, so Jean, you want to start us off with a, a short reading? Sure thing. Yeah, I'll read the first page. All right. Her name was Jenny Hauser and every Wednesday I put pickles on her pizza. The first time she called in, it had been mid-June, the summer of 2011. I'd been at Eddie's a little over a month. My uniform polo was green and orange and scratchy at the pits. People would loudly thank me and then tip me a dollar. At the end of shifts, my hair reeked of garlic. Every hour I thought about quitting, but I was 18, didn't know how to do much of anything, 11 weeks pregnant. At least it got me out of the house. The morning she called, mom hugged me four times, Billy five, all before I pulled on my socks and poured milk over my cereal. They hurled I love yous against my back as I fast walked out the front door. Some days I wanted to turn around and hug them back. On others, I wanted to punch them straight in the face, run away to Thailand, Hawaii, Myrtle Beach, somewhere with sun and ocean. Mm. So that's, that's our that. introduction to, yeah. to Pizza Girl, our unnamed, yeah. mostly unnamed narrator. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, she starts us off with a real bang. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk about where did this story come from first? I'm, I'm curious because I think I've right. seen that, that you were a pizza delivery girl at one point. Is that right? 
I was, yeah, for a summer in college, I was working a couple internships and um, of course, one of them was unpaid. So I needed to pick up another job to sort of pick up the slack and pizza delivery was a great one because I could smoke weed beforehand and just drive around at night, make a little extra money. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect part-time job. Oh, ideal for 20-year-old Jean. Yeah, and I think for like a budding writer too, it's a really fascinating job mm. because you get all these little glimpses of other people's totally. lives, right? Yeah, it's very, it's very cinematic too in some ways, sort of the opening of doors, like getting a glimpse, like it's a literal snapshot into someone's yeah. life, like you're peering in. And you can judge people by what they put on their pizzas. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> the only thing I truly judge, I don't get the like, no cheese crowd, you know, like just sauce. And that, that we rarely got that, but like once or twice they asked me for no cheese. And I was like, what's the point? <laughs> point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as an Italian, I have to say that focaccia is supposed to be with no cheese. And that's the original mm. what pizza was. Uh, according <laughs> the to OG. My people. <laughs> but but yeah, if you convince me, but if you're maybe. ordering pizza, it should have cheese. If you're ordering yeah. focaccia, it's okay to not have cheese. Right. Right. <laughs> um, so the other thing I want to point out is like pizza delivery as a job is pretty dangerous. Like uh, yeah. I, I saw recently an article that it's it's up there on the list of most dangerous jobs. Um, is it really? I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the specific huh. ranking, but it's it's pretty high up there. Um, like in the top 20 most dangerous jobs. That's so, wow. Who knew me? A little badass going around. <laughs> but I, I could see that in the like the the weird thing about night shifts is there's definitely people that kind of eke you out. I hated when I would get called to motels. Those were the ones where I felt truly uneasy. Um, and definitely sometimes when you're in like walking in a dark apartment complex, your heartbeat speeds up a little bit. But I, I'm I'm very lucky. I never had anything dangerous happen to me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's worth bringing up just because you know yeah. the the job itself has so much like imagination in it mm, that, that totally, you, totally. you are going into these totally unknown situations multiple times in a shift like right, that's your right. whole shift is just throwing <laughs> yourself into the void with a with a pizza yeah. box god yeah. wow you're you're darker than i am the way you're looking at this <laughs> i love it i um no it's it's funny i i think about it and i've met so many people <laughs> you know even like if i've only delivered them to them once if you like count it up the total people I've met in my life, I've probably met like just in one summer so many more than the average person does. That's interesting. I've actually never thought about that. Yeah. And I think like for someone like our pizza girl, mm -hmm. that's really exciting. Totally. Because she doesn't really know who she is yet. Right. And she's trying to kind of project herself onto all these different people she meets and see like, is right. this person like me? Is this person like me? Can mm -hmm. I, could I grow up to be this person? Totally. Um, well, that's the funny thing. It's like we become adults legally when we turn 18, right? But to call, I, I, at least speaking about myself, I feel like to call me an adult at 18 would have been a very generous reading. And, you know, for a lot of people, and especially the narrator, Pizza Girl, she is only an adult by her years. She still doesn't really know the kind of person, kind of who she is and like the person she wants to become. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um. I maybe this is like doing your book a slight disservice, but I was thinking, no, no I was thinking a lot about the movie Juno um, when mm, I was reading too. it. And I think, I think the book does very different things from that movie, but they For are sure. 
both about these very young pregnant characters who are very ambivalent about their position in life and who they are and, and what they should be doing to become something bigger. Well, they, yeah, they both explore. Uh, it's not a terrible movie to be brought up in the same sentence as my book by any means. Um, but no, yeah, I think they both explore, though. It's like you're not only becoming a person, but you're about to be responsible for another one. And that is horrifying, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like there's so many people that like aren't ready for that. And, you know, it's, you don't, it's also like, you're just like how when you turn 18, I don't think you become an adult. Like, the question is, when do you become a mother, too? Like, I think it's not necessarily as simple as, like, when you give birth. You know, like, there's a lot of things that sort of you have to do in, a like, a place you have to be at to really, like, consider yourself a mom, at least, you know? Yeah, and there's not, like, one magic thing that flips that totally. switch. It's, like, a long, totally. long process. Yeah, yeah, and for a lot of, and I mean, there's, that's a big re a lot of what I was thinking about when I was writing the book, too, is sort of, like, the lies that we've been fed through media uh, about what it's like to be pregnant like it's almost it's like we feel like we have to feel certain things you know or it's like if you don't love your baby the minute it comes out you're a monster you know <laughs> and that's just that's just not true it's yeah and that there's like, a lot erases, of complicated feelings that erases women who have like postpartum depression yeah and, absolutely you know, yeah i think i think having a very complicated pregnancy at the middle of this book it's not only, it's not only like, uh, you know, a plot mechanism, it's also a really right. good metaphor um, mm. for just like the deep, deep, deep interiority <laughs> of this narrator. Like she is right. so in her head all right. the time and her head is a mm. fascinating place. I mean, she goes in a million different directions, right. but she doesn't ever, it doesn't come out. It hasn't come out yet, you know, <laughs> like it's all yeah, just totally. building up in there. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wanted to, uh, like, you nailed it on the head. She has very little external dialogue, you know, yet there's obviously so much going on. And to me, that's like just that sort of like quiet daily tra tragedy. You know, if you're ever like looking at someone and you're just like, what is going on in there? Mm -hmm. You don't always want to know the answer, I think. So, yeah. But so. With, with this narrator, like, I, I do love getting to know what's mm. going on in her head. She's her voice is incredible. Like she's, thank you. I, I'm obsessed with her and I really want the best for her. Like, yeah. Uh, even though she the, does some horrifying stuff in this book. Totally. That's the, that's the hard line to walk. I remember I was like so nervous about that when I was like first sending my book out. I was just like, are people just going to like hate her? You know, and I've just been really overwhelmed and touched that people have been willing to like read and get to know someone that they wouldn't necessarily like if I <laughs> told you it's like hey do you want to meet this pregnant pizza delivery girl who's drinking during her pregnancy you'd be like not really you know but <laughs> life is really complicated and she is a child ultimately that has a lot of emotional damage and is not reacting in the best way but you know I don't think that means she's necessarily a bad person yeah so you know. how, how did you kind of find her, her voice in the process of writing mm. this book? Yeah, I was, <laughs> it sounds so goofy. I was um, like deleting <laughs> my email inbox because like I was dating someone and they thought it was like insane that I had over 50,000 unread emails um, in my inbox. I think the term she used was sociopath. So I like went back in and I like was all the way back in like my high school era 
husband, I found these emails that I sent like my first love. And I just like didn't even recognize myself like reading them. You know, they, they were beautiful emails. They're really long and tender and, and poetic, the young poet in me. And it was like, I read, I was thinking about doing this pizza delivery novel and I was reading that and I was like, reminded why I wanted to do a delivery novel about a young person to begin with, where it's like, oh, it's like, I, I don't want to forget that I used to talk like this, or oh, I don't want to forget the weird tenderness of that age, just sort of like how fragile you feel and everything. And so it felt key to kind of like capture the essence of that sort of those emails and use that voice before the experience was too far behind me. Like I was already forgetting about that at like 24, 25, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, that's a, per that makes so much sense because this book like begins in this place of right. desire uh, right. and, and, and queer desire and, and specifically totally. this like intensity of connection <laughs> that, that pizza yeah. girl feels for Jenny Hauser. The totally. order that, of like makes no pizza. sense. You know, it's like, that's <laughs> the thing. It's like, there's so it's, it's so weird what draws us to people. And I wanted to capture this kind of like, way you can just like immediately become obsessed with someone you don't even know and that's like a very teenage thing to do I think yeah I mean ever since Romeo and Juliet like <laughs> god the OG worst <laughs> yeah but like her her feelings towards Jenny mm -hmm. are so protective like so much of her obsession with Jenny is like I want to take her away from all this I want to defend her from you know her horrible husband that I imagine or you know right. it's it's always like I'm the strong one my desire for her makes mm. me strong that's a great way to put it that's lovely yeah even though she's as vulnerable as anyone could possibly be <laughs> totally and it's like I think that's kind of the effect like or like I was going for it's that sort of like I was thinking about just all the things we can confuse love for and sometimes it's like especially for this narrator who's feeling so delicate and sort of overwhelmed by how everyone's taking care of her because she's a mess. It like comforts her to see another mess. And if anything, like kind of propels her, like you said, to feel like I can protect her. I for once can be the strong one, you know? Yeah. And it's, I think it's also worth pointing out that Jenny Hauser is a, is a mom. Yes. Um, and totally. she's, she's older than pizza girl's mom. She is. Yeah. yeah a lot of young moms in here, <laughs> but, and, um, yeah. Oh, sorry. Were you going to say something? I didn't mean to well, I just, off. I just wanted to ask kind of like, how are you, how do you see these various mother figures mm. in the book? <laughs> like how is pizza girl relating to them? Cause she has very different attitudes towards Jenny versus her own mother and towards totally. herself. Yeah. I mean, there's so much blurry, complicated feelings, but it's like, you know, again, all the confusing things that are tied up with attraction beyond just physical beauty. She, is kind does have like it's oh my god this is gonna sound so weird mommy issues i suppose Ugh, i hated that term but like she clearly like she doesn't feel close to her own mother and there is this sort of like feeling of like i want an older female figure in my life you know i like want someone to not necessarily feel guided by but heard by you know because that's the thing like she feels like now that her dad is dead it's just her and her mom and they've never really been alone together and she doesn't really know how to be close to her mother and Jenny provides this alternative that is like a cool mom quote unquote you know what I mean it's like she just like sees herself a little bit in this like frazzled chaotic woman yeah and Jenny Jenny is pretty chaotic like she mm. does not have it together <laughs> at all like she's not a role model 
No, for, for I won't give her chaotic evil, but perhaps a chaotic neutral, you know, just sort of doing whatever she wants. But, yeah, 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 I see that for sure. <laughs> she, is, <laughs> she is not uh, Jennifer Garner's character in Juno at all. No, love my girl Jen Garner, but this is Jenny Hauser. <laughs> and she is a lot. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the sense of place here. Mm. Um, and specifically, like, some of the detail work that you do. Uh, sure. So this is set in L.A. Yes. But it's kind of an unmoored L.A. Like, mm, yeah. we get Pizza Girl driving through the night through these kind mm-hmm. of, like, nondescript neighborhoods. Right. Um, how did you, like, why is this set in L.A. or the mm. part of L.A. that you imagine it in? And, uh, right. and, and how, do, how does that, like, kind of shape the story for you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, on a personal note, I just don't love scenery description in general. It feels, it, it, to me, it gets clunky, or at least, like, it's like, I'm not very good at scenery description. I, something maybe I'll get better at, but I also kind of like scenery to just be sort of the quiet, like, undertone of everything, you know, where you feel, like you said, you feel it here and there. You don't need to outright read descriptions about it, but you know you can kind of sense it. Um, and with LA, too, it's such a driving city, so it's, like, perfect for a novel like this. And when you're driving in LA too, especially when there's no traffic, it feels like you're in a different world in a five minute drive. Like the way neighborhoods sort of change and melt into each other and everything. Um, And also too, it's like, I felt like if I really put it in a specific neighborhood, you really have to get into like the politics of a certain area. It's like, I couldn't have said it in Boyle Heights without talking about the extreme gentrification that neighborhood has undergone. You know, it's like, that is an important conversation um, but it wasn't one I wanted within my novel, you know, yeah. the novel was like more voicey and really internal. And that was kind of a part of it too, where it's just like the same way where it's like, you don't have a narrator who sees her boyfriend every day suddenly be like, and there was my boyfriend, the handsome six, two built like, you know, I mean, describing it like that, where it's like LA is normal for her. So she's not going to have long pondering thoughts about like <laughs> what everything looks like necessarily. Yeah, though she does have a lot of thoughts and interactions with food. And I yes, feel she like, does. I feel like the food is, is very, like, grounding for us throughout mm. the book. Like, what, right. what she's eating, what she's, right. you know, hoarding. <laughs> um, all the 7-Eleven stops. Uh, more 7-Eleven in fiction. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really sad right now because I haven't been to the bookstore in a long time. And I mm. used to go to the 7-Eleven up the street. Uh, lunch yeah, every that. single day and get the same exact thing. What do you get from 7-Eleven? Wait, say that again. What do you a, get? A Lunchable. Uh, I love Lunchables. <laughs> I'm an adult grown woman who loves Lunchables. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, that's a great question that you should just ask all your friends. Like, as an adult, what is that child thing that you still love to eat? I, I, I don't think Hot Pockets are childish, although I love a good Hot Pocket. I'm trying to think what kids stuff oh I, I still make bologna sandwiches like fried bologna sandwiches I still mm. fuck with that and it's very good if you ever want to try I'll send you a recipe yeah, send, send me a recipe <laughs> yeah, <a> recipe <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my new gig after this just teaching people how to make trash food <laughs> um there's so there's like a lot of eating of snack food mm, yes um and that kind of goes along with the just unsettledness of the book but there's one scene in particular where pizza girl gets it gets served a meal by a child uh that just absolutely breaks my heart in half 
Um, <laughs> so, I just wanted to point it out because you're doing stuff with food that mm. carries a lot of weight. Uh, mm, thank you. In this book. And I, I loved, yeah. I loved it. Oh, just, so a question. It. just a compliment. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I also thought it was like, it was like a fun one to write too, just because it's like how kids don't really get the sort of like, you know, meat, potatoes, veggies, things going together. They're just like, this is good. This is good. This is good. I'll just eat whatever I think is good and put it on a plate, you know? Yeah. Um, so transitioning from food into the other consumption narrative mm. here, which is, which is right. drinking and addiction. Mm. Um, totally. A little more serious. Yeah, let's let's take it down a notch. Let's make it. <laughs> let's get sad here. Um, but I think it's worth pointing out because I think you you are probably going to get Absolutely. some readers who are very concerned about yeah. a yeah. protagonist who is pregnant and as drinking. they should be. They should be concerned, <laughs> right? But how do you? What would you say to people who are like freaked out or turned off by that? Like, how? Why is it important to to keep? to stick with pizza girl as she's, you know, making these bad choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because it's like, I totally will never be like shaming anyone for not wanting to read something or like for some people just want to use literature as sort of like escapist stuff, a fun way to kind of unwind. So if it's not for you, I, I get it, but I will implore you, like, I don't obviously approve of pregnant women drinking during um, their pregnancy. But at the same time, it's like addicts are addicts and she is a budding alcoholic. And even if she doesn't realize it, like she can't seem to stop herself. And I really wanted to paint an honest portrayal of addiction, you know, and sort of explore too, like just becoming pregnant doesn't turn you into a good person or like take away all your demons. Um, yeah. So I do hope people give it a chance. But I, I do understand that there is like upsetting material that some people just don't want to engage in. Yeah. I mean, I think from a literary point of view, um, watching this narrator mm -hmm. spiral into more and more drinking, it's right. not about, it's not about like enjoying her trauma or whatever, but it, no, is, no. it, it does take us somewhere beyond the addiction, which is to her relationship right. with her, her father who's died. Totally. Yeah. Um, because he was an alcoholic. And, and I think right. that's following that and mm. following her unearthing of that is really rewarding. Um, yeah. It's like, it's again, it's the question of how do we become the people we become? No one really wakes up and is like, hmm, how am I going to ruin people's lives today? Or if they do, fuck off. But like, for the most part, it's like, you know, we have like hell is paved with good intentions, as they say, right? You know, and like traits are passed down and trauma is inflicted upon the people we love. And I kind of just wanted to get into that sort of headspace. Like she is a perfectly decent young woman who is doing really terrible things. And if she continues doing these terrible things, she is going to become this person, her father, that she so detests. And there's something very tragic about that. Yeah, I think this whole book takes place on kind of that knife's edge. Mm. Um, yeah, like totally. this, is, this is a decisive moment for her. Yeah. And, you know, just the slightest push could tip her to one side or the other. Totally. Uh, it's very tense. It's very a tense read. Like, because you, again, like you're rooting for her so much. Totally. But 
you see the weight of of her history and her family history and her family addiction um, pulling, pulling at her on the other side. Yeah, I mean, that's why, too, I, like, wanted it to be a really tight, short novel. Like, it is something that you can read in a sitting. And if anything, I think that'll just, like, further along that tense, sort of, like, exhilarating ride feeling. Um, and, yeah, I also, I also just am a short writer in general. If I ever read a novel over 250 pages, I will be shook. That will be insane. <laughs> we'll see if that happens ever. <laughs> well, I prefer short novels, so keep it up. <laughs> Because <laughs> I am just, I'm just going to flatly make that, uh, that distinction. I only want to read short novels. Yeah. Writer, writers, please listen. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I have some more kind of like crafty questions. Please. I love a craft. craft question. Love it. Excellent. It. So what was kind of, what was like the hardest part of, of writing this book for you? What did, what did you work mm. the most at um, in getting this to come together? Yeah, I... I don't, forgive me if I'm about to sound like a douche, but it's like, I know it, like, to make it, like, the, the voice work and to feel effortless just takes so much effort, you know, like, even though the novel is short and the voice is very voicey and casual, to kind of, like, be casual and to make sure it still flows and still is, like, the, like, I'm trying to, I don't even know how to word this exactly, but it's like, I really did labor over sentences. Like sometimes it's just like, there's like a word that doesn't sound quite right. Or it's like, oh, would she think like that? And you have to make really sort of key choices there because especially when it's like a narrator who's doing really unlikable things too. Mm. And to kind of keep people in her headspace the whole time. Yeah. Did you have like a way of getting into her headspace? Did you, like, did you have a little, a little door that you would open? <laughs> a little door? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it's, I, I'm a big walker. I, I would just walk and think about her. And sometimes, you know, like, at least for me, when a character is starting to become real, is when I, I would just be doing something in my day-to-day -day life, not even writing related, like buying a sandwich or talking to a friend. And I would, like, wonder what her reaction would be. I'm like, oh, I wonder what Pizza Girl would think about that. Or even, like, this other characters. I wonder what Jenny would say. I wonder what Billy would say. And that's an exciting feeling, you know, and it's just sort of like answering questions like that. I think that's another thing too. There's so much that, at least for me as a writer, and I think a lot of writers will agree with this, that you do that doesn't end up on the page, you know, whether that's like people outline or if they just sort of like write like descriptions about the character, it is important, I think, to know stuff like that. So you have that knowledge and you can kind of like turn it into something on the page. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you want, you want your characters to have life outside of the immediate story that you're telling. Totally, totally. Because yeah. then it's like whatever happens to them in the story, you have like, you, you understand like them and how they might feel about that. Right. Yeah. Um, did you have a writing group as you were working on this? You know what's so funny? Because I, I was in grad school when I had this idea, but I didn't start working on it until my last semester. And I only workshopped like the first 20 pages. And I'm not a big sharer in general. I'm trying to be better about that, but no, I didn't, I didn't actually, my agent is the very first person who read this. And that, I mean, that was before he was my agent. I just rando queried him and he read it and liked it. <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> he later told me it was the worst query letter that he ever read. Oh gosh. <laughs> I just, uh, I, if you've ever looked up a query letter, people look them up, look up the format. It's so uncomfortable to me. So there's something clunky. so, yeah, there's something so weird too about like, <laughs> bragging about yourself <laughs> I don't know or being like yeah my book is 
comparable to like Romeo and Juliet or oh, two God. piece or whatever like comps you have to make. That just made me so uneasy. So the email I sent to him was just essentially like, here's my book. Do you want to read it? If you don't want to read it, that's okay. <laughs> Goodbye. I'm Jean. <laughs> and it worked. I'm paraphrasing. I mean, it worked. It did work out. Uh, but no, yeah, the sharing, I, I'm in a writer's group now with some of my friends and it's been like fun. We've definitely like in quarantine, weirdly like taken a little time off and everyone's been really nice about it though. Cause I think even if you are writing right now, it's sort of hard to engage and write feedback and We've been very pro mental health during this period, which I appreciate. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, did you have other other books or other authors in mind while you were putting this one together? Mm. I guess I, it was more. I mean, again, it's, I don't mean to sound like a douche or be braggy at all, but like a big reason why I wanted to write it is that I don't have a lot of comps. You know, like the closest thing I could perhaps comp it to, and I, I would love if people had comps to send me some. Like I remember my editor's assistant said, "Oh, we were thinking of Chemistry by Waiki Wang," and I love that. That's like now one of my favorite books, and it's incredible, and it's such a joy to be compared to that book. Um, but yeah, I was just thinking more about the slacker genre in general and how like overwhelmingly male it is. Where mm -hmm. it's like there's only like perhaps three books that I can think of that fall under that uh, female slacker category, and it's a uh, Otessa Moshfegg's My Year of Rest and Relaxation, uh, The Idiot by Ila Fatuman, and uh, New Me by Halle Butler. Love Halle oh, Butler. She's incredible. So damn yeah. cool. I definitely um, got a little a little Halle from from some yeah. of Pizza Girl's sort of <laughs> inner monologues. Yeah, that's another one. An, uh, an assistant at uh, the agency where my agent works sent me a copy of New Me. She was like, I feel like you would totally, this would be right up your alley. And I read it. I was like, oh shit, this is like it's a very similar voice in some ways. Different you circumstances, read, but I would actually say that Jillian, yes, her please. first book, is a better comp because it's about Ooh. it's about Which this very. This? It's called Jillian by by Halle Butler. Oh, okay, um, cool. I think they just reissued it because it was like some really small press that you couldn't find. Love that. I um, legit am writing that down. It's great, and it has it has like this a similar sort of like obsession relationship. Mm. Um, it's it's two female friends, and then there's also some some very shocking violence that happens. Oh shit! Um, right, I'm in. Yeah, it's great. I, yeah. Old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so what do you think? Like, going back to the idea of the the female mm. slacker. Um, right. Why why do you think it's important that there be more female slacker stories <laughs> out there in the world? Yeah, I mean. It's again, it's like, it doesn't, it's not as big of a deal as other representation stuff, but it's more, it's like by not having female slackers, you're saying a lot by saying with the, hold on, what am I trying to say? Okay. By not having female slackers, it's essentially saying that fucking around is a specifically male thing. Like that women aren't allowed to be a mess. Women aren't allowed to be, you know, unproductive or have like kind of an existential crisis in the same way. So it felt key in that small little way to just, you know, have a girl that was kind of like just flailing, you know, yeah. well, I in think a very millennial way too, I think. That totally makes sense. And I think for a long time, the trend in literature about young women was like, oh, they're, this is the plucky girl who's going to overcome <laughs> her obstacles and, you know, exactly. found the first female surgery team exactly you know? <laughs> where it's like pizza girl is just trying to live to the next month and you know just figure her shit out yeah i mean i will also point out that she's 18 so it's yeah like, she's a slacker now but like 
you'd have no idea what life holds for her. And I think totally, you know, that's ultimately the beauty, I think, you know, where it's just like, we have to remind ourselves, it's just like this, I think it's easy to sort of get pulled into the book and be very stressed and like, you know, your heart pounding kind of feeling, but it's like the book takes place over just like a couple months. Mm -hmm. You know, she, whether this will be a good or bad thing, I have no idea. She's going to have a long life and hopefully she uses this experience to make it a good one. Yeah. So I don't want to give anything away, but is it, is it a spoiler to say that this book begins and ends with the same sentence? I'm okay. People knowing that one. Okay. okay I can cut it out. If you don't want to. No, no, no. Keep it in there. No, I'm glad I, I, I was when I, I didn't know I was going to do that, but I'm like, as I was writing more of it, I was thinking of the end. And then I got the image in my head of her driving with her hand on her belly, like finally acknowledging her child, like that it's coming, whether she's ready or not. And I was like, oh man, it would be perfect, I think, for her to start talking to her child. And I was like, oh man, the very first line, like this is her conversation to her child in some ways, you know? Yeah. And I think what's, what's so great about that choice is that it reframes the whole book that totally. came before um, as I, I'm, I, again, I'm going to try not to say too much, but it, but it, <laughs> it, it recontextualizes a lot of the stuff that mm. she tells us. Right. Um, and, and with the idea that we aren't necessarily the audience that she's speaking to. Yeah, totally. You know, um, and it, 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 like, there's a lot of ways to feel about the ending. I, it, I think it'll, it'll speak to like sort of how you view life and the way people, if, if people can really change, but to me, it's a hopeful one. And it's at least a step. It's an acknowledgement. And, you know, I'm always rooting for pizza girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I felt hopeful leaving this book too. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think if you can take that moment to look back at at the story, knowing what you know at the end, um, you'll, you'll feel hopeful too. You won't feel like, Oh God, pizza girl's (laughs) stuck in this, in this cycle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that is a way to view it too, but uh, I, I choose to be hopeful. Yeah. yeah, that's a good way to be. Yeah. Um, well, I think I feel like that's a really good place to kind of stop. But I wanted to ask if you had anything else you want to talk about or um, no. No, the questions. Thank you for the questions. They were so wonderful and thoughtful. And it was like Aww. great talking to you about it. Truly. Well, I, I had so much fun reading this book. And, and I really, I mean, I Thank have you. more things I want to talk about, but I, I don't want to go on for too long. This is about <laughs> no you and, and your book and not about my, you know, thesis that I want to write on it. <laughs> <laughs> I am honored you want to write a thesis. That is so sweet. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, I think we're, we're going to end our conversation here. Jean, thank you so much for coming on our podcast and, and talking pizza girl. We love oh, hell her. Yeah. Hell yeah. It was truly a pleasure. Love LA. Love Skylight. <laughs> All right. Well, we hope to see you in the store Sunday soon. <laughs> yeah. See you 2021. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.